What's up? It's Andrea. Today, the ship encounters a deadly computer virus. The Romulans really are back. And we ask the question, what's the deal with sister ships? Stay tuned to find out. Welcome to the TNG Podcast, the number one place in the Alpha Quadrant to geek out about all things Star Trek The Next Generation. I'm your co-host, Sharice. Hey, I'm your co-host, Andrea. Sharice, we're at the halfway point of season two already. Woo woo! Can you believe that? Like, I was thinking back to when we were celebrating being through the halfway point of the first season. So it's like, what? How has like a whole season basically gone by? Um, This is season two, episode 11, Contagion, written by Steve Gerber and Beth Woods, directed by Joseph L. Scanlon. And the start date is 42609.1. The synopsis is this. The Enterprise receives a distress signal from its sister ship, the USS Yamato, from within the Romulan neutral zone and travels to rendezvous with them in order to assist with repairs. After the two ships meet, the Yamato suddenly suffers a warp core breach and explodes in front of the horrified bridge crew, leaving no survivors. Shortly afterward, a Romulan warbird, the Hakona, decloaks before the Enterprise and demands their retreat from the neutral zone. Captain Picard informs the Romulans that they will not leave until they have determined why the Yamato was destroyed. What are your initial thoughts on this episode, Therese? So my overall thoughts about this is that um, it's an interesting storyline. I mean, I remember when you heard the name of this episode and you were like, Contagion, great, we've got another virus. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yep. But this time it's a computer virus. There's a twist. (laughs) We're not infecting any any of the crew members this time. So it's a little bit different. Um, I did think like it was kind of interesting, this like historical artifact that like um, describes a people from the past and looking back on history and kind of trying to piece together the stories you've heard versus like the evidence that you see and seeing if those two things match. So I think from like an intellectual standpoint, I thought that was pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. And I think the whole episode was it felt it felt trekky. It felt kind of like futuristic and cool and there was technology in it and stuff. How about you? What are your overall thoughts? Um, so my overall thoughts were going into it before I watched the episode, I had mentioned to you like, oh, great. Another virus. Like when are they going (laughs) to, when are they going to stop with the viruses? But it didn't feel like a virus episode, Mm -hmm. right? Or like the naked now you hear the sizzle sound, you see it spreading slowly. This was just a computer glitch that was causing destruction and -hmm. like infected the enterprise. So, uh, I really didn't give it a whole lot of thought going into it, but I really like this episode a lot. I really like it a lot. I love that like the Yamato explodes at the beginning. So it sets the stage. So we know like what the stakes What's are going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's true. That's true. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, like the, the like fluctuating like lights and power, like visually is really cool. Mm-hmm. And also seeing like the first sort of steps, like the doors won't open or the replicator is not making tea. It's like, Oh, Ooh, ooh. like it just feels really cool. And mm-hmm. the idea also of like this ancient civilization that was so much more advanced than what we can understand right now. Mm-hmm. And it's just sort of like reworking this wiring to like, I was just like, Oh, holy crap. This yeah. is so good. It's such a good episode. Totally. It's kind of like the pyramids, right? When you look at the pyramids and you're like, how did they do this without like, tools you know yeah. just like with like hand with like handmade tools and people yeah. like yes. they did this with like sticks or whatever like you're just kind of like how did how did this happen without a crane and you know like these big choppers and all this stuff um it's kind of like that you're looking at the civilization that's way more advanced than anything that they are aware of at all mm-hmm. in starfleet and you're just like first of all how second of all where 
where these yes. people go? Like if they had all this <laughs> technology, where are they now? Yes. And then kind of together like, oh, the languages that we do know of originated from this language. So that's mm-hmm. even, you know, these people are even older. I mean, I, that was, that was pretty cool. You know, now that you say that too, it, it really reminds me of um, like the ancient Incan like civilization mm-hmm. um, where they had this like incredibly advanced or like even the Mayans were like incredibly advanced for their time, incredible use of technology and tools for their time, and then just like disappeared. Um, and yeah. I believe the Mayans were wiped out because of illness, but the Incans, I don't know. And I'm not an expert on this whatsoever, but I don't think they were. It was just sort of like this mysterious vanishing of this like entire race of people. And you're like, but how, but where, but why? Like, it's just super cool. Mm. But this episode in and of itself is like, a. I think it's a wonderful episode, but it feels very season two because you can tell there was some like behind the scenes fluctuation because we have this amazing episode right up against like an absolute dog shit sandwich episode, which mm-hmm. is next week. So it's like, mm-hmm. it's not consistently good yet. But, yes, it's not you know. consistent, but this one is definitely a good one. And I agree. It does feel very season two. We're yeah. like, okay, okay. Yes. So let's, let's start the episode. So he, Picard is racing to the neutral zone to help the Yamato. And did you notice, number one, the sister ship, when they bring it on screen, looks identical, of course, to the Enterprise. Right, because we saw, we've seen the Yamato before um, a couple times. I think, I think we've seen it twice, but I know for sure we saw it in that episode with the ghost ship when they were trapped Her in silence that. silence has lease. Yeah, yeah, when they were trapped in that void with this creepy, all-knowing space monster. Mm. And it was like hey, it's the Enterprise. No, it's not. It's the Yamato, but it was exactly, it looks exactly like the Enterprise. And you're like, oh, that's so clever with like, you know, sets and things. So yes, seeing exactly. it again was really, was really fun. I was like, the Yamato again. Yay. And then yes. when the screen opens and it's a black male captain, I was like, oh my gosh, there's a black male captain. And then I said, he's probably going to die. And I was right. Before the credits even rolled, he was gone. And I was like, oh, rest in peace. Oh my gosh. I totally thought the same thing. Number one, I loved that we have a minority captain. And then so I cool. typed in my notes, are minorities the new red shirts? Cause that's what it feels like. You know, they just yes. instantly die. Yep. Um, but did you notice that panel behind captain Varland? It was like a panel. It was like a, like a smoky black plastic panel with like some sort of schematic ease all over it. And so I was like doing a little research and I was like, what is the deal with sister ship, sister ships? Cause it's a uh-huh. naval tradition to uh-huh. when you build a ship, you use the same blueprints and you, so you build two of the same or more than two of the same. Mm-hmm. And so that's where sister ships came from. But I did a little deep dive and I was like, what, like who thought of calling it sister ships? Like where'd that even come from? Mm-hmm. So um, a sister ship is a ship of the same class and like virtually identical design to another ship. Mm-hmm. And then those sisters become like differentiated throughout their services. Like you have to make adjustments to one or the other. And so they slowly over time become slightly more different. Mm-hmm. Uh, the two most famous sister ships in history are the Titanic and the Britannic with, which both sank and both resulted in a lot of loss of lives, which is really sad. I had no idea. First of all, I didn't know there was a sister ship for the Titanic. Second of all, I didn't know it also sank like, yes. man, talk about some sucky marketing it yes. was all like, these are the unsinkable ship. And it just totally sank. Yes. So the ti- the Titanic sank in 1912. And obviously it was the iceberg situation. The yeah. Britannic um, was sunk in World War One. It was not a naval ship. Um, they both had the designation, I believe, RMS, which was Royal Mail Ship or Royal Mail Steamer. And so they, they're passenger ships. So mm-hmm. uh, it was sunk by a, a, 
another ship like during the war. Like a torpedo uh, or something? Yeah, something like that. Yes. I don't okay. know exactly. But the the like the death rate and survival rate was flipped from the Titanic. Like most of the people survived and 30 people died, which okay. the Titanic was like the other way around. Yeah. Right. Like very few survivors mm-hmm. and most people died. So it was it was um very sad, but I was looking into that. And then I had another little, just a small deep dive about the designations that they're given because it's the USS Enterprise mm-hmm. and the USS Yamato, which means United States ship. So I was like, does that imply that Starfleet is an inherently American organization? Because it's like a United Federation of planets. Mm-hmm. So why wouldn't they have a designation that's, I don't know. But like in England or in British ships, they have HMS, which means his ma- his majesty's or her majesty's ship, depending. So like the HMS, mm-hmm. um, uh, whatever, right? It would be yeah. like her majesty's yeah. ship. Yeah. So it's like, does that mean though that Starfleet is an American organization? Because that's what it sounds like now. Well, me. I mean, the base of it is in San Francisco. So. I thought that too. I was like, headquarters are in San Francisco. Maybe that's just kind of what they. It might have been started by America. You know, it's like the space program, where there's like yeah. international, but like there, there's not. It's not like every country's represented. Yeah. In, yeah, I guess that's in the true. space missions at all. It's pretty much all America and all Russia. But here's a, here's another thought though. Yes, Starfleet is headquartered in San Francisco, but the designation of the ship is based off of where it is built, like where the shipyard is, and Utopia mm-hmm. is on Mars. So wouldn't, I don't know. Mm. I just thought I was like, mm, where my brain is pretzeling over ship designations. We're not even in the episode yet. <laughs> Interesting. I didn't know Utopia Planitia was on Mars. Now I know that. Okay. <laughs> adding, that, anyway. adding that to my to my bank of knowledge that no one needs, <laughs> but I'm so glad I have. So yeah, I, I also, okay. So as we're getting in and and before this captain dies, which is like, of course he's going to die. RIP. Yeah. The fluctuations and stuff was super cool. Like, I feel like we haven't seen that before. We've seen explosions and like this lightning or whatever, but just to see it kind of like shutting down. And then you also Mm -hmm. see all these crew members behind him, like tinkering with things. Right. And they're like little tools and they've got panels open and stuff like that. And you're like, oh, this is kind of this is interesting. We're like, something, something's going on here. And Riker makes this suggestion like, hey, do you need us to evacuate all the non-essential personnel in the meantime? Because like, if they're not oh essential, they're just, they're just like taking up space while you actually have this like crisis that you need to solve. And the captain's like, I think that's premature. Like we're, we're going to get this under control. And I was like, dude, if your ship is falling apart and there's a chance to send a few people, this again, this is before I knew for sure he was going to die, mm-hmm. but I had an inkling that I knew he was going to die, but I didn't know a whole ship was going to explode. So I was, cause you know, cause he's black. So, but I was watching and I was just like, dude, <laughs> like, like nothing having to do with the ship. Right. So as I was watching, I'm like, dude, like let those people go over to the enterprise just as a precaution, just as a precaution, not because you think it's so dire that everyone needs to start hopping in escape pods or anything, but just like, if they don't need to be there and the ship is shutting down, anything could shut down. You said life support was shutting down. You said you've lost a lot of crew members, like send those people to safety. And he's like, no, 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 it's fine. And then they blow up. And I was just like, ah, yeah, that that made me sad because I was like, this is not going to go. Uh. Although, honestly, by the time he said it's it's a little premature to be having people evacuate the ship. And then the warp core breach was like 30 seconds. So it's like at most you would have saved 15 people or something. Who knows? But more you know? than zero. And they actually true, do have true. the capacity to do like massive um, transports to the ship. 
like they can do that. Uh, depends, right? If it's dramatically satisfying, they can do it. Um, if sure. it's not, then they, then they can't, whatever. <laughs> then they yeah. can only do 13 at a time. But remember, they have like 27 freaking transporter rooms. That's true. That each have what, six to eight transporter pads on them. That's true. So they could have transported on every, I mean, they could have rerouted all systems transported on all of those. I mean, just the non-essentials. So yeah, 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 I feel like, I feel like that was a, that was a mistake, but like nobody knew the ship was going to explode. Right. We thought it was just going to kind of become derelict that it was just going to fall apart and then just not fly, but not that it was that the warp core was going to breach. That was like, yeah. And it was not good. Yeah. All right. So the ship explodes horribly. I mean, it's a great special effect. Thank God Picard has his wits about him and immediately orders the shields up because that would have been really bad. Mm-hmm. But it is amazing. You see the saw. Sa- it was an unintended saucer separation. <laughs> it's like the ship just blowing apart. And then you see the saucer section like being eaten by like flames. And so it was crazy cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but immediately after that, this Romulan ship appears and threatens Picard. And I thought, oh my gosh, we finally see some Romulans for the first time ever. <laughs> yeah. I put the same thing in my notes. Because at the season finale of season one, the Romulans were like, we're back. We're back. That's right. We're back. And then, like, they're just not back. But here we have all the way in episode 11, they actually are back. Sort of. Sort of. They go back away. But yeah, yeah sort like, of. Okay. All right. So they do come back. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> took, took 11 episodes, but they come back. Really, at the very end of this episode, it's basically them being like, we're back. Later. <laughs> they don't- Bye, guys. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I did you notice? Okay, a couple things. There are a few firsts in this episode. Um, when the Romulan commander threatens Picard, he turns to Worf and does the slashing hand mute yeah, thing. Yeah. And I was like, oh, we're, this is the first time we've seen the mute button sign. And I was like, yes, it's here. This is starting to feel like the Picard that we know and love. Yeah. Um, and I was like, oh, it's the first time we see that like hand slashy. That was mm-hmm. kind of cool. But we immediately go into the observation lounge and Jordy has determined that the reason the Yamato was destroyed is because it was a catastrophic mixture of matter and antimatter, which of course, Sharice, I was like, let me deep dive about matter and antimatter, because isn't that what we're all really here for? Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> okay. So very quickly. So antimatter sounds very cool, or it sounds really nerdy. And um, Dan Brown has used antimatter and matter explosions in a bunch of his like books so it sounds kind of fictiony but it's actually real so antimatter is a material that's composed of so-called antiparticles so what we understand now is that every particle we know of has its antimatter like mirror companion that's like identical to itself but with an opposite charge so basically matter and antimatter are sister ships to each other like they're Ooh. identical but opposite see see what i did there see what yeah I did there? yeah that was neat <laughs> so we have antiparticles like for example like um, a positron has a positive charge. So it's antiparticle is an electron that has an elect- like a negative charge. Mm-hmm. So they actually do annihilate each other when they meet. So a warp core breach is a real thing that could happen, like hypothetically. Mm-hmm. So matter and antimatter cannot exist at close range for more than a small fraction of a second mm-hmm. because they will annihilate each other and release huge quantities of energy in the form mm-hmm. of gamma rays, which are like the deadly radiation you do not want to be anywhere near that. So yeah, mm-hmm. they're totally sister ships to each other. There you wow. go. That's deep. That's deep. That's, that's <laughs> a fun that's little deep deepest, dive. Maybe that was my deepest of dives so far. <laughs> I don't know. And we have so much left to go. So many opportunities <laughs> for some more deep dives. Yeah. So we've got this explosion that Jordy's kind of getting to the bottom of. And, and on the 
on the topic of firsts, this is also when we see Captain Picard's love of archaeology yes! as he starts to go through the deceased captain's logs to be like, okay, maybe there's something in there that can tell us something about something, you know, he, and he's like, oh, um, the reason why I'm here is because of this lost society and all this different stuff. And you see Picard being like, oh, okay. And this is a theme that continues throughout, like, forever for Picard is that this is one of his passions. So it was like, yay, it's introduced here. Yes. Do you think, I feel like it's a prerequisite of a starship captain to have a love for archaeology. Do you think maybe that's why Riker never gets his own command post? Because they're like, can you tell us about this ancient civilization? He's like, I don't know. I was too busy chasing tail. And they're like, mm, yeah. All right. Well, we'll get back to you. Well, he can tell he can tell them about their mating practices. So he's still helpful. He's still helpful either way. But yeah, so so going back just a little bit, when the ship blows up, Troy looks like she's about to cry. And I'm like, oh, for the love of Pete. Um <laughs> Like, but it was, I mean, it was like a very emotional situation. I get it. I'm just like, is she still crying at season two? And then you have Wesley up there on the bridge. And I was like, wow, this has got to be incredibly traumatic. I think he could use a counselor right now. <laughs> like, and I, and I get that Troy she's is also too, upset. She's too busy crying. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. I get, she's also upset because it's a very upsetting moment, but I'm like, talk about like some trauma. He just, you're just chit chatting. And then all of a sudden the, the screen goes like a little pixelated and then it explodes. And then mm -hmm. the pieces, like you said, the saucer that's like flying to the side disintegrates. So it's not even like there's chunks of ship where you can go and find survivors, maybe held in by force yep. fields. Absolutely. No, it's like it dissolved and disintegrated everything and everyone. And I was, yeah, that's just what I was thinking. I was like, wow, Wesley could probably use a counselor right now. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I mean, I agree. However, I, I will absolutely cut Troy some slack because if I saw a ship explode and thousands of people die, I would be screaming my head off and mm -hmm. not, you know, especially like immediately, you know, your immediate reaction is like horror. And, oh, for and, sure. You know, of course. But did you see, but everyone's reaction was just kind of like was horror. And then they yes. were like, well, moving on. Right. They had to get to the next task, including her because they have military training they have starfleet training and wesley doesn't and so that was the thing and that's what he talked True. about later when he came to picard's room he was just like how'd you guys all just like go on about your life like i was totally like what the heck and so that's why i think he should get some special consideration is because he doesn't yeah. have any military training he's never been to the academy he doesn't know how to compartmentalize just yet yeah, it was basically it was basically like a bring your son to work day and then he just stayed at work <laughs> like he didn't get trained the way you guys did so yeah Let's maybe, yeah, let's yeah. maybe just be extra gentle with him. Or like take him to the side and have a quick chat. I don't know. But anyways, <laughs> so like a few seconds after this explosion, when they're all reeling and trying to figure out what's going on, or not a few seconds, but a few minutes later, now we get the Romulans showing up. And we're like, okay, like, did the Romulans shoot them out of the sky? Like, what happened? What happened? What happened? And the Romulans are just kind of like, what are you doing in in the neutral zone? Like we, we have the right to defend ourselves. Like if you guys are going to stay in the neutral zone, which I was just like, hold up. Neutral zone means neutral. Nobody mm -hmm. owns this space. So how are you coming in here trying to bully people talking about get out of my neutral zone? That's like literally the opposite of what this means. <laughs> yes. So it means anybody can be in here and it's a buffer between Federation space and Romulan space. It's a buffer zone. Like anybody be can be swimming in and out of there. Mm -hmm. I, that's the thing that got me Total, it had me like stumped too. Cause I was like, why is everybody so uppity about being in the neutral zone? Like, I understand it's a little bit more tense because you're bordering the space where you have like very tense political relations with this mm -hmm. other race, but like you're still in the, I mean, the word says that it's neutral. 
It's neutral. It's not your space or my space. Why is everybody like, what are you doing in the neutral zone? Why don't you mind your own fucking business? Because we're not in Romulan space or Federation space. That's, I think I would be too sassy to be a Starship captain. Yeah. And then they're always threatening war, right? It's always like, if you stay in the neutral zone, we're going to go to war. And you're like, wait, shouldn't that be if they cross through the neutral zone and get into your, if they actually reach your side, but I guess they're just trying to like be a deterrent. Like we're going to blow you out of the sky before you get a chance to get over to our side of space. But I don't know. I just was like, wow, they're being really pushy and they don't own this space. And this is weird. Okay. I have an idea for us. Um, You and I are going to do a fanfic writing, but instead of like writing a story, we're just going to draw up the charter for what the neutral zone rules are. And that's it. Mm -hmm. It's going to be like going forward, neutral means neutral. Like we're just going to do this. We're going to write a whole charter. Any any conflicts must be solved by a dance party. (laughs) All right. So (laughs) so Journey finds out that it was actually a, a design flaw in the Yamato. And because the Yamato is a sister ship to the Enterprise, the Enterprise will have it too, that the magnetic seal between the two like chambers of matter and antimatter failed. And so they rushed together and, of course, annihilated each other. And I thought, this seems like a bit of a problem. Why do you have these two extremely like volatile compounds right next to each other with like a little teeny piece of like material between like put one in one part of the enterprise and then put the animator in another part and have them like pipe together or something. So they can't accidentally meet who, who Dr. Leah Brahms, you messed up on this one. (laughs) I'm not sure how the ship is actually composed, but I do know that there are, as the warp core is like doing its thing, it has all these reactions that I think produces antimatter. So I think that's why, I think that's why it's there. It's like, as the warp core functions, it creates antimatter, which then gets like piped into the other parts of the ship and turned into energy. Like that's, they recycle the antimatter and they use it to power the ship. So I think that's why I think it's a byproduct because um, they explain this in Voyager because there's this episode where this guy is like pumping antimatter into some part of space where like, there's not a lot of, where like nobody knows about it, Mm. but he's poisoning all this like entire species of people that live there. Um, and he doesn't care because he's just like dumping all this antimatter. And mm. so they reach out to Voyager for help and Voyager meets with him and says, hey, we have a matter antimatter warp core as well. And here's how it works. And so they talk about how they take that waste and they recycle it and they use it to power their replicators so that they can make food and clothes and oh, everything else on the ship. So they were like, you can use this technology and modify it to your ship so you won't be dumping this toxic antimatter into the into their space. Hmm. Um, and the other alien was like, nope, <laughs> what do I care about these people? So yeah, it was a really, it was a, it was a really good episode actually. Hmm. But yeah, so that's why I think they're next to each other. I don't think someone like put two tanks and like a, t- a straw between the two or something. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, I- I'm sure that'll be, I'm sure that'll hold. Put a little scotch tape <laughs> on. Looks, it'll be fine. That looks legit. Throw some duct tape. <laughs> duct tape fixes everything. I'm surprised they don't have duct tape on the enterprise actually, but well, yeah, so they, so, you know, as, as Jordy is getting to work on this, like, design flaw, did you notice, number one, Picard is in his ready room, he's going through Varlin's old captain's logs to try to find out anything about, like, the Iconian, this, like, lost civilization, mm-hmm. and the word Romulan, and I love, number one, how thoughtful it is that all of the like personnel logs are uploaded essentially to a cloud. So mm-hmm. even if the ship is destroyed, you can still review like what Varland was talking about. Like I love, I love that. Yeah. I don't, I don't think it was uploaded to a cloud. They downloaded the information from the ship when oh. they were talking to the captain because they were trying to help diagnose the ship. Oh, I see. And that's how the Romulans also got infected because they downloaded the contents of the ship as well. Secretly. Like, covertly. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. That yeah. makes sense. So as Picard is going through all these logs, Wesley comes in and is like talking to Picard. What did you think about that conversation? Cause I feel like it was so contrived. Like Wesley at this time is like 15 or 16 or 17 or whatever, but he's talking to Picard as though he's like four. He's like, but why did people die? Iconians? What does that mean? Like, it was just so like, I don't know. It just felt very contrived. I feel like, I feel like the writers were like, you know what? We need to give Will Wheaton like some lines. Mm -hmm. So we're just going to like make up a conversation. And it was, I think that he was basically representing like the audience. Like we don't know anything about the Mm -hmm. Iconians. So he was the audience and we were like getting all the information from Picard. Mm -hmm. It just felt like so contrived and like shoehorned in. It did not feel organic to me at least whatsoever. Well, I like that it was there because like I said, I felt like Wes was probably traumatized and I thought he did need a conversation with someone. And as an audience member, I wanted to see that conversation. But I mm. thought it would make more sense to have that conversation with Troy or Guinan um, would have been an amazing person to talk yep. to about the situation. I'm sure she would have had a lot of wisdom. Picard, not so much. It's like when he it's like when Wesley needed dating advice and the first place he went was Worf. And you're like, what the he's yeah. just like is not great with knowing where to go to get advice. But anyways, so I I was like, OK, good. You know, now we're seeing that he was traumatized. But even the way he was traumatized was a bit weird um one thing though that the the thing that caught me about this this scene it didn't feel contrived to me but I was disappointed because Picard starts this speech about death right and he's like whenever the death of a single person fails to move us I'm sorry captain and I was like but what what was he gonna say I was like I bet that would have been a really good speech yeah finish your thought finish your thought yeah it was just like because you know he has these like really good speeches sometimes and so I was like oh he's gonna give this like deep speech about death and about what it feels like to be in the military and how do you like you know compartmentalize with what's still caring um mm-hmm. and then it just like got cut off and I was like that's kind of like I mean I can't I can't be I can't handle the writers too much they had other stuff to worry about but that's <laughs> that's kind of like when something really good's about to happen in a story and then they're like and then they woke up because they just don't know how to like finish that thought yes, in a good way. Yes, and they don't want yeah. it to suck. So they just like make it go away. Yes. Yes. I totally agree with you on that where it's like they probably had something bad happen behind the scenes and had to cut the writing of that speech short. And you're like, but I wanted to hear, you know, Picard's little gems of wisdom. Like I, I feel I totally want to hear it. Feel a little bit ripped off. <laughs> did okay i i had a i had like a weird catch so jordy is in engineering and he's doing the thing where he's in the chair and kind of like wheeling around to the different panels you know and he's realizing that it wasn't actually a design flaw that led to the yamato's destruction but uh-huh. i was like wait a minute wait a minute look at that chair it's just like a chair from staples <laughs> like it's not even it's not like pressed up at all to like look future they even have sharice they didn't even bother taking off the fucking lever that like raises yeah. and chair it's like <laughs> I see the wheels and everything that was that, of, that's probably one of the writer's chairs they just snagged it they were like buddy they're like here you go done. I, you, you wrote the royale for next week and we're not cool with that you're done we can just take this chair from you right now we're gonna repurpose it put it to better use and put that it in poor this man seat. that was that poor writer that was fired it's like and my chairs i don't even get to take my chair no we're giving it to the bar he's gonna wheel around dramatically right um, yeah, that's also- way more efficient than just walking And I thought, yes. And I thought to myself, it really is just one little screw that holds that little lever on. I was like, couldn't Mm -hmm. you just have taken that off? Seriously? Like you guys went to like (laughs) Office Depot and just fucking stuck it in this like amazing set. I was very upset about that. I was like, what the, what? (laughs) So, (laughs) so, okay. The, the enterprise is heading to this first planet. That seems to be like the, the, their best guess for like where Iconia 
should have been or would have been. They're yeah. like, this is probably mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so this probe is launched from the from like the some mountainous area mm-hmm. and starts coming towards the ship. And Picard immediately contacts LaForge and says, I'm gonna help you in your research. We're gonna capture one of these probes with a tractor beam and you know, we can study it. And I love this moment. I didn't know which episode this was in, but I do remember this scene. And I'm so glad to see it. This was it. Jordy immediately freaks out. And he's like, no, 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 wait. Like that's, there's something bad. But because the ship is now starting to experience like these issues, the calm is down. So he's like running to the bridge, gets into a turbo lift. And then the turbo lift freaks out. Mm-hmm. And like for LeVar Burton's part i give so much kudos for this because Mm -hmm. the physical acting required to be like thrown up against the walls of the turbo lift and then the ceiling and the floor and just getting your ass handed to you Mm -hmm. i was like he must have been like black and blue all over by the time this was done because Mm -hmm. i'm sure you can't get it all in one take i don't know Mm -hmm. though yeah like he just he just absolutely got like whipped around that turbo lift and then gets launched out of it at the bridge thankfully it arrived at the bridge Mm -hmm. and he's like destroy it destroy it right so they destroy this probe Mm -hmm. and after seeing your poor main engineer being or your chief engineer being like beaten to a smithereen (laughs) you would think picard would be like um, you know emergency like medical like get him he says welcome to the bridge mr laforge what the hell what the hell if i saw somebody getting like their life hand like beaten out of them i wouldn't be like good morning coffee like what the fuck it was fun i mean i think it was supposed to be funny well it wasn't (laughs) it was insulting is what it was (laughs) my thoughts when he got into the turbo lift like i'm glad he was using his head and he was just like what else can i do you know the comms were all down and he just just took off i was like when he got in the turbo lift it's the same thing i always say in these emergency situations like when there's a fire don't take the elevator like you got to take the stairs because the elevator is going to get stuck and you're going to burn to death. And so when he jumped in the turbo lift, I was like, I feel like this is a bad idea when there's like mechanical malfunctions all over the ship. Yep. And then yep. it takes off and he's like being thrown around. I was like, oh my gosh, like never take the turbo lift during emergency. Yes. But he had to, because if he took the Jeffries tubes, it would have taken him two and a half hours to get to the bridge. <laughs> yep. And that doesn't work either. But like, so in normal ship operations, like if it was not, if there was not this immediate crisis, like definitely take the Jeffrey's tubes. But in this case, thankfully it did shoot him out onto the bridge. So it still went where it was going. It just went a little faster than we all <laughs> expected. Um, a little yep. a less smooth ride, but I'm like, at least he got there and he got there just in time to like destroy the thing. Yes. Like kind of gotten to the bottom of where this, this computer virus came from, which was the probe, which was never intended to hurt anything, but because the technology was so incompatible, um, it was an unfortunate side effect. So Yay, Jordy. Jordy saves the day. Jordy saves the day again. Absolutely. Um, and then he's able to determine that the Iconium probe is trying to merge with the Enterprise computer and rewrite the computer to to look like the Iconian code. Right? Yeah, or so to probably communicate. To commu- absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So it looks like, so they are able to figure out like, you know what? The Yamato destroyed itself because it just started malfunctioning because you have these like two completely different language computer codes trying to merge and, mm-hmm. and it's not, it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I thought that that was a very elegant explanation. Um, and I love that they were able to also very quickly determine that the reason that the enterprise is being affected is because they downloaded all the corrupted files from the Yamato, mm-hmm. right? And it's like, that's why we are being affected, but more slowly because mm-hmm. that 
down that corrupt file is kind of slowly working its way through the mainframe of the enterprise computer, mm-hmm. whereas the Yamato just like allowed itself to be probed and then it started falling apart like right much immediately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, which is also then, a relief because you're like you know eventually they're going to explode, but they're not going to explode immediately. So it gives them some time to come up with a solution. Absolutely, um, and of course we have to cut to Pulaski complaining about the technology going wrong in, in sick bay. I didn't feel like there was any point for that. I was so bothered by that scene, not because it was pointless, which now that you say it, it was, but I was bothered <laughs> by it because she's just yelling at this other medical officer, just like yelling at him, like screaming Thank at you. the top of her lungs. Like, why is this not working? And why is this not working? Da, 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 da. And I was like, why are you yelling at this guy? First of all, he can't fix it. Does he yes. look like he's engineering to you? No, yes. he's one of your subordinates, like worst boss ever. Yes. And then also, I was kind of like, get over yourself, Pulaski. Everyone on this ship is in the same situation. Yes. It's not poor you and poor sick bay. Yep. Engineering, the nursery, every place, the bridge, the weapons, everything is going everything. haywire. So this is the time for everybody to band together and to be like, we are in a crap situation. Like everything's going down. What can we do yep. to like get through this? That's that's like the standpoint. It shouldn't be blaming just the first guy who walks past you yep. for stuff that neither of you can control. So yeah, yes. I was really irritated by that. I, I do very much dislike that. And, and at this point in the storyline, they've already determined why the ship is going wrong. So screaming about the fact that it's going wrong is not, that's not going to help anything. Yeah. But again, this was kind of a shoehorn. Like we didn't need to see her at all in this episode. We didn't. What we really could have used her for was to rush up to the bridge and make sure that Jordy didn't have any like broken bones or anything from his turbo lift drive. Like that's where we could have used you. But we wouldn't have gotten her for like two and a half hours because she would have taken the Jeffries tubes. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? This is one instance where maybe not trusting the technology would have worked in her favor. Yeah, (laughs) maybe. Couldn't have gotten in the turbo lift. But speaking about shoehorn scenes, that we have this scene where like Data and Jordy are in the engineering. I just thought about this as you're talking. We're there in engineering and um and Jordy's running like side to side back and forth and he's pushing all these buttons and data is just depot chair (laughs) yeah and data is just standing there looking over his shoulder and I thought this makes no sense why wouldn't data actually be helped why is he here what are you doing buddy like go back to the bridge yes I felt so bad in my notes I wrote Jordy's getting his ass handed to him in this episode (laughs) because he gets electrocuted when the panel like miss yes. fires or whatever yeah data is there to like pick him up and throw him across the room and i love that jordy is just on the floor at this point he's like i think i'm just gonna stay down bother getting up he's like okay data thank you like data uh, jordy just just stay down you know it's like no Know when you were beaten. Know when you were beaten. Okay. And now that I think about it, where was the rest of the engineering department? Were they all napping? Why was it only Jordy and Data in the entire? I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Because Pulaski called them to medical to like <laughs> yell at them about something they still don't have. They're over in like sick bay getting screamed at by freaking Pulaski. Oh, so, boy. so we're getting this like slightly like this. T- it's a moment that's like built up for drama, but. The Romulan ship appears again and their photon photon torpedoes are loaded, mm-hmm. right? And 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 like they're having all sorts of issues on the Enterprise where like they can't get the shields up, they can't get their phasers. You know, so Riker kind of does this thing that Pulaski did where he's like, Well, somebody tell me what the hell we can get. It's like, why are you yelling at the crew? They are all struggling just mm-hmm. like you are. We're all trying the best we can. So when he tells Wesley to put the shields up and he's like, Shields are down, he's like, Well, give me something. It's like, Dude, he's trying. 
He's trying to. Yeah. And it's not his fault. So yelling yeah. again. And I think that's not a natural helpful. reaction. I think it's a natural reaction. We get frustrated and we're like, well, do something, fix something. But it's like, in reality, though, what are you really hoping mm-hmm. to accomplish? But I did think it was kind of funny when Wesley goes, sure, sir, the shields are back up. Sir, the shields are back down. <laughs> and, you notice, <laughs> and you notice the Romulan warbird like tries to cloak itself, but it can't. And then that's when we start getting clued in like, oh, you guys are affected also. You also cannot control what the heck is going on in your ship. Mm-hmm. So Picard says, look, I need to go down to the to the surface of this planet and figure out what the F is going on. Mm-hmm. And since I'm the one that has the most like archaeological like knowledge of the Iconians, I mm-hmm. have to be the one to go. I don't know about you, but I thought that the set was so freaking awesome of the Iconian like control room. Oh my gosh, it was gorgeous. <sighs> but before they get down there, I had a little point where I was like, again, it's kind of like the turbo lift concern. When there's malfunctions, don't take the turbo lift. When there's malfunctions, don't take the transporter. Take a shuttle. I was just yes. like, yeah, you're gonna and and O'Brien is just like, sir, we don't know if the transporters will even be working when you need to come back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and we don't know that they're working now. Like you can yeah. start the transport sequence and then they shut down. And now you're just like item atoms, like floating away in space, half yep. in the ship, half in space. And I was just like, this would again be a time to be like, let's just take a shuttle. Let's yes. just, let's but just even, be on the safe but side. But even still, even still the shuttle could have been affected because it's con- it connected. It totally could have, it totally could have been affected and probably was. Um, but probably but just, safer. But I, yeah, I just feel like, if the shuttle broke down by the time they got to the planet, they could have transported back out. But if they transported in and the transporters break, they've got nothing. They've got like no backup plan. Yes. But anyways, turns out yeah. I didn't I didn't need to worry about that at all. Yeah. So we get <laughs> to this. So we get to this set, which is sick. Like it's so cool. Yes, so that cool. like blue, the blue sphere with like the silver, like mm-hmm. all over it that like looks so much like the probes. It's like oh my god, this is like amazing. And also, whoever did the set design of like the panels that have all, it looks like, you know, like alien writing. It's like, Jesus Christ, this is so freaking cool. Mm -hmm. So they, they discover one of Picard in that shoehorned conversation with Wesley in the ready room says that the Iconians had this, like the reason that they're so like built up in myth is because they didn't even use like starships or anything. They were just able to like instantly appear yeah which i'm like that kind of just sounds like a transporter so i don't know why it's so like something you guys can't understand at this point well like, because they were distant planets and oh, the transporter can't do that the transporter oh, can right. only go in a certain range right because the ship has to get really close to a planet before it that's can transport true. off the surface you're right so they for them say... to just be like going to a different system in like the blink of an eye with no ship is pretty crazy that, that that is really cool so we do we we in this control room we see how that was possible they had the technology to create gateways and it's just like you walk through a doorway and instead of going across the room you end up like across the galaxy on a planet which is like oh my god like this is also the coolest transporter technology i've ever seen in my life yes and like the, oh my gosh and the visual effect also that like you see it's just like this two-dimensional doorway like there's no mm-hmm. depth to it it's so freaking cool so so data becomes like he, he gets electrocuted so electrocution is a very big theme in this episode apparently <laughs> and he is now being like rewritten in the iconian program and so mm-hmm. it's like of course like messing with data and like it's basically breaking him down mm-hmm. so he has to very like haltingly d- describe the sequence of codes that need to be input in order to destroy this station so that more ships don't, you know, 
become like the Yamato. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and really the reason why Picard wanted to destroy it was so the Romulans didn't get their hands on it. Yes. Because they said, this is the most powerful weapon. You know, that, that was the whole reason why the other captain of the Yamato was there and risked going into the neutral zone and risked war because he, he knew there was this Iconian weapon and he didn't want the Romulans to get their hands on it oh, and that's right. destroy Starfleet. So when they get there, they go, oh, this is the quote unquote weapon. It's actually a transporter, but it can transport people anywhere at any time with no warning. So that's what makes it a valid thing to be used as a weapon by people with like bad intentions. So in war, like how helpful would that be if you could just send a whole army straight to Starfleet headquarters in the blink of an eye, there's no warning, there's no defense against it. And so then he was like, okay, we have to destroy this, even though this is incredible Mm -hmm. technology and it's history and everything else. Like the, the risk side of it is so high that it has to be destroyed, which is Mm -hmm. like true and super sad. Yeah, it is. It is really sad. Like you've you've reached this like amazing pinnacle of technological innovation so much so that if it fell in the wrong hands, it's too dangerous. And that is that is like beautiful and cool and sad at the same. Yeah, time. I mean, it's like destroying the pyramids, because if something happens, they'll somehow get in the wrong hands or whatever. And exactly. you have to destroy them. And you're just like, oh, yeah, it's a little gut wrenching. Yeah. Um. So, you know, he, Worf is able to pick up data and use the gate because the gate also shows like inside the Romulan warbird inside the enterprise and then all these like distant planets. So as much as Worf is like, we don't know if those are really real gates. If it, it does that really lead to like where the, it shows. And mm-hmm. Picard is like, look, we just, we don't really have much of a, we don't have a choice. Mm-hmm. Data needs to be taken care of immediately. And I need to destroy this thing as fast as I can because the Romulan warbird is hovering like just above the atmosphere yeah. and could mm-hmm. get down here at any second. So Worf carries data into the bridge of the enterprise, which is so cool too. He just like, just like appears. Yeah, so cool. Super cool. So um, it looks like data dies, right? They can't mm-hmm. figure out how to like rewrite the programming and get the like, virus out. He totally flatlines, which I thought was funny because flatline shows like heart, so but like, he does, do he does have a heartbeat. Does he? He does. He has a heartbeat. He has like, um, like hair follicles that grow through his pores oh, on his skin. I guess that's he true. has like he, but he can regulate, he can regulate the heartbeat and he can regulate how much of his hair grows and he can regulate all those things like by conscious choice, mm-hmm. but he has, he has all of those things to mimic being oh. a human. Thank you, Dr. Sharice. I did not know that he had all those parts. <laughs> so I guess, so I guess that makes sense. That makes sense. So he flatlined, but then basically like rebooted. Mm-hmm. And that's when Jordy posits that the same could be done with the enterprise. If we just shut the whole thing down and mm-hmm. reboot and you kind of do like a hard reset, like a factory default, yeah. reset, yeah. you can get the enterprise back up and running and they do it just in time to like save the enterprise. And mm-hmm. then Picard is like pushing all his buttons. He's, he's, he sets the station to like self-destruct and cannot get to the enterprise in time. So he runs through the gate into the mm-hmm. Romulan ship, which is mm-hmm. lucky because if he ended up like across a star system, he'd just die there. They'd never be able to find him. So it's like, perfect. Yeah. He ended up right in a place where O'Brien could find us. Yeah. He ended up like a couple hundred feet away. Yeah. <laughs> not like, <laughs> not like multiple systems away with only his comm badge, which doesn't work that far away. Apparently. Yeah. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't dramatic. Effect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and we see that the Romulan ship is about to self-destruct because again, it's suffering the same fate as the Yamato, mm-hmm. which for me, I'm like, that's what you get for like covertly stealing all this information. <laughs> right, right. That's mm-hmm. what you get. 
Um, but O'Brien gets them out of there in time. So mm-hmm. they end up sending like their instructions to the Romulans to be like, here's how, you know, hold down the power button and the green button for five seconds together. And then it'll yep. reboot your mm-hmm. dive ship and yep. you guys will be fine. And then they were just sort of on their way. But this episode was so freaking cool. Like it had so many different like parts to it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was great. It was great. And the Romulans being here added just the right amount of threat for why they needed to destroy this cool technology. Because besides that, there was really no, I mean, what was their purpose? But like that was, and to also see like, oh, the, you know, their photons are armed. Oh no, our shields are down. You know, like they added like the right amount of drama to not totally take away from the storyline, but to like Mm -hmm. give good like motivation. So I thought that was really nice. That's true. Because if like, if a different alien species had been there, it wouldn't have been such a threat. Like if the Ferengi had been there, that had been like, you guys don't even know what you have on your hands. Right. So right. Like, you, yeah. No one would care. Whatever. Yeah, exactly. And it's like in season one, we had this challenge where there would be these parallel storylines in the episode that like really compete and they don't really yes. match. They don't mesh together. And you're like, well, it's like two episodes in one and neither one's very good. And they're both going at the same time. And I feel like that's not this, this is very yes. cohesive. Yeah. And one of the things I loved is when they were, when they were kind of poking around the Iconian uh, transporter room. And um, they're talking about, Worf is talking about like, yes, they were warriors, of course, because that's how he sees everything. And he's like, they use this as a weapon to go and conquer all these places. And yes. and then Picard just, and then Data's like, well, I don't see any evidence anywhere that there's that this was a war room or that they, 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 that they did campaigns because mm-hmm. he's looking around. He's like, from what I'm seeing, from what I'm reading, it's just like, they were just kind of explorers. Um, and then- That was Picard, essentially their transporter room. What they The control room was like a transporter room for them. Yeah. And then Picard says, well, you know, um, history is often written by the victors. So mm-hmm. we're taking the history based on all the people who bombed the crap out of this planet to get that yep. you know, for these these people to be destroyed. So they're the ones who wrote the history that these were terrible, evil, you know, and they were popping up on other planets and taking over everything. Yep. But we don't even know if that's true. And then he's yeah. like, and then that's also how like this language got disseminated far across the the galaxy, because as they're bombing everything ahead, the Iconians just kind of walk through this door. And just went to some mm-hmm. other place and could live in peace. So I thought that was really interesting because it's like at the end of the day, we still don't know about the Iconians. We still don't know if they were conquerors, yes. explorers, a little mix of both, like none of that, which is yes. so fascinating. Well, And I thought too that one of the things that Picard touched on when he was talking about history is invariably written by the victors is that we fear what we do not understand. Like that is just a natural survival mm-hmm. mechanism. If we don't understand it, we fear it. And then we start to justify our own like fear-based reactions Mm -hmm. toward that new and, you know, new thing Mm -hmm. that we will say like, it was dangerous. I had to kill it or it would have killed me. And really it's like a butterfly. And you're like, okay, Mm -hmm. well, in your mind, that was justified. Mm -hmm. But really that's the only story we're ever going to get to hear Mm -hmm. is like the Iconians were these like horrible warriors that had to be destroyed. It's like, they might've just been like peaceful they might have been anything. And they mm-hmm. could have been anything. But now we'll never know because you rewrote the story to justify, like, your own actions. Mm-hmm. Which is... Yeah. that I mean, I think that that is something that, like, our history has shown throughout the ages that that's what we do. And we still, like, as much as our technology has advanced quickly over the last couple hundred years, we still very much fear what we don't understand. And our first instinct is to, like be violent towards it which is really sad that's a really yep. sad instinct yep agree anyway <laughs> on that wonderful <laughs> note <laughs> on that wonderful note we're we just went into this really deep episode and next week we are going into like the most shallow stupid episode ever so mm-hmm. if you're looking for a deep reading maybe this is the one 
<laughs> yeah, we but, might we might recommend skipping the next episode if you're watching <laughs> along with us. Like as we watch episode by episode, maybe skip the next one. Do you want to do you want to let them know what the next one is? <laughs> yes, next week we are talking season 2 episode 12 entitled The Royale. Thanks so much for listening and nerding out and uh we love having every single person <laughs> listen to this and we'll see you next week. Bye. Thanks for geeking out with us. Be sure to join the crew at thetngpodcast.com to be the first to know when we do our live shows or host events exclusively for our members. We'll see you next time.